morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, you turn to Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 27. If you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along, there's probably one in the seat back right in front of you. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, Why do the the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees? But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom's with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they'll fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. That's the end of our scripture. Uh, Let's pray for Father God. We come here today and ask that let your Holy Spirit come down and fill each and every one of us. Open our hearts and our minds so we can be filled with your word. Ask Lord that you let your Holy Spirit fill our pastor today as he explains these these words of yours. Uh, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how many of you guys knew before today that only the sick need a physician? When do we call a doctor? I mean, there may be a few of us who like to go to the doctor, but for the most part, When do we go? When you're sick. Crazy idea, isn't it? Crazy. We go to the doctor when we're sick. We go to the doctor when we recognize something's wrong. Yeah, there's a problem. I I promise you would never get Kathy off of the slopes if her shoulder went back in. But because the shoulder was still out, she's like, yeah, I need to go see a doctor. We go when there's a problem. We go when something 
is wrong. And so when we look at this text, we just want to see what is, what is it Jesus He's got several answers for the Pharisees today and some, some things that we really want to be able to wrap our minds around. And as we work our way through the text, we want to understand a couple of things. And one of those is, what started it all? What got it all, go, what got it all going? What got this confrontation, the criticism from the Pharisees? What got, at, what got it going? Well, let's take a look. It was a conversion of a tax collector, right? Conversion of a, don't you wish all tax collectors would get saved? <laughs> I don't know if that would help us at all, but it would be nice anyway. In Luke 5.27 it says, After he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. It's amazing how much you can say in two verses. No? So Jesus passes by Levi. Now we know who Levi is, right? He goes by another name. Matthew, that's right, Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the writers of the four Gospels, was a sinner. Are you kidding me? He was a tax collector. The people would look at him as a, as a tax collector was a sellout. You were, your nation was inhabited by somebody you hated. So, gosh, how do we bring this around to today? Okay, the United States has been conquered by ISIS. ISIS is now in control. They've set taxes on us. And your neighbor decided to go to work for ISIS. And he's going to come knocking on your door when it's time to pay your taxes. How much you love your neighbor. Because that's how it is. Romans had control. They didn't want Rome there. They wanted their, their own, just like everybody, right? Doesn't everybody who lives in their own country want their own country? That's not hard for us to understand, is it? So the fact that their own people sold out and said, you know what, I'm going to make peace with Rome and get rich off of you. Making sure that I can collect your taxes. And because he's sitting at a table, it could have been collecting taxes for the town, the particular town that they were in. Could have been toll tax. Could have been a hundred different ways that he's collecting taxes. But it put him in one category, sell out. Traitor to his own people. His name, Levi, that's a priestly name, right? So it probably comes from a priestly family. And for a priestly family to have a sellout who is now a tax collector, that's a big deal. This is a big problem for most of his neighbors, most of his friends. There's nobody who's going to walk by. They'll walk by and curse him. They'll walk by and look bad at him. They'll talk about him everywhere. If he comes walking into a coffee shop, everybody will get quiet. You ever have that happen when you walk into a coffee shop? (laughs) That's a bad sign, just in case you were wondering. Oh, that's so neat. Everybody got silent when I walked in. Yeah, there's there's a reason for that. Anyways, that's how it was for that's how it was for Levi. Nobody gave a rip about this guy. And because they hated him. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, what happens? That shall he reap. So they sowed hate, and what did they get in return? Hate. What? You hate me, I hate you. But you're still going to pay your taxes. And if you don't, I'm going to send these two big Romans, and they're going to lop you on the head. But I'm going to get the money. And while you're over there in the coffee shop talking about me, I'm going to put in a new pool. And I'm going to sit around the pool while you guys have your little... So you guys get to see how these divisions happen? Because they're not all that different than the way divisions happen 
in our own world today, is it? And so, this, this moment occurs, Jesus walks by. Now, I, I have to assume, and I can't point to it, I can for the fishermen, but I can't for, for Levi. i got to assume Levi had some running with Jesus before. Sometime when he caught his teaching, you know, because Jesus had been around the area, right? It's, it, it's not like he was a small deal when he passed through town and, and the dead raised. And the deaf could hear and the blind could see, right? News went around. I've got to think, there, but, but I'm sure for Levi, there's a sense in which, yeah, you know what? He's not going to want me. He don't want nothing to do with me. And on this day, Jesus comes walking up. Keep in mind what we talked about last week. To one of the most leprous people in the whole town. Nobody wanted to be around. Nobody wanted to talk to. Nobody gave a rip about. And he walked up to him and said, hey, Levi, come follow me. There's a few things that we want to we want to grab from it. We want to take from it. First, it says he saw him. You guys see it when he went out and he saw a tax collector. That doesn't doesn't just mean he. Oh, look, there's a tax collector. That word "saw" is the word "theoreo." It's a word we 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 would get to an English word like "theorize," where it's a concept where he's looking at him intently. Jesus is looking at him. He's looking. Deep. He's looking long. And he sees him. Wouldn't it be nice if we could learn to see people today? Man, Jesus saw him. Saw, he saw the value in a man that everybody hated. Saw the value in somebody that was a failure to all his people, yet... God saw something else. I'm kind of thankful that God sees different than what we see in each other, aren't you? So he saw. He saw something. He looked intently. He's beholding. And then he said, follow me. And, and the word he uses, follow me, is a, is a present tense. What it means is, Matthew, come follow me and keep following me. Come stay with me. Matthew, come be with me. Matthew, I want you. With me. Now I don't know if we can I don't know if you can get your head to it, but I just want you to think as Jesus at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's a big deal. And everybody is kind of blown away by this guy that's been on the scene and this guy who's been teaching things and telling telling people things about the word that nobody's really saw that way before and no one understood that way. Remember we talked about the idea of the word of God teaching the word of God. It's pretty powerful. And so, and, in, and the healings and the touch and, and the just amazing things that he's been doing, breaking down the divisions, the, the societal divisions between the people. Big deal. People were following him from all over the place. But there's only 12 that got an engraved invitation. There's only 12 that, that God from beyond... You know, our, our existence chose. He said, yeah, it's going to be these guys. And one of those guys on that day heard his Savior call his name. Matthew, come, follow, come be with me. 
Come with me. I want you. Is it really any wonder he left all to follow him? Is it any wonder? Because the reality, guys, is all that stuff, man. It, how many of us have learned already that don't satisfy? Every, whatever we chase, whatever thing we long for and go after. I can't even tell you. I'm, 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 I don't know. Kathy's not here. She can't tell me how old I am. 50-something. And in those 50-some years, I've chased a lot of things. And I thought, you know, if I just get this. Yeah, haven't you guys ever done that? Oh, if I just reach this, if I get here, if I can do this, if, 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 if just I can reach this level, and then you, you reach it and you realize, yeah, but that wasn't it. Yeah, there's, there another, there's another, something else, something. So, so when Matthew hears Jesus say, man, come be with me. I want you. Dude, is that how we hear God's call in our life? I want you. Not just, hey, salvation is open, and if you want to receive it, you can. But do you hear God say, I want you. I want you with me. Because the word of God would declare to us that, that God showed us what love is, in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. What Jesus is saying from the cross and on his way to the cross, what he's shouting for all of creation, for everyone who will hear, what he's saying is, I want you with me. And that's a powerful thing if you, if you can wrap your mind around it. The God of the universe wants me. I'm not part of a catch-all plan B or C. I'm... I'm somebody that God wants. So Matthew, he left all, he turned and he followed him. Well, what happens next in verse 29, it says, And Levi made a great feast in his house. He made a great feast. So Levi stoked. All of a sudden, he don't care about all that stuff no more. So he makes a great feast. That The word for great feast, it means a, a, a big reception. Jesus tells a story, I think it's in Matthew 21 or 22, about a, a king inviting people to his wedding feast. You guys remember? And they have all these excuses why they don't want to come. And then the king says, go everywhere, invite everyone. So you, you have a similar idea. What Levi's doing, now, now let me, remember, remember in the beginning, who wants to hang out with Levi? Yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to be. The only people who want to hang out with Levi are other tax collectors. Right? Because nobody else wants to hang out with them. So what's one of the first things you see on his, on his invitation list? Who's with him? Tax collectors. Because those guys were easy to invite. Right? It's like, man, we, we are all hanging, we all hang around the pool together because nobody else wants to hang out with us. Right? So, so he invites the people that he knows, the people in his immediate circle, right? He invites them. But there's more than that. We see Pharisees there. We see scribes there. We see the people of the town coming. Because he opened up his house and basically said, whosoever will can come. Jesus is here. Come hear him. So he put that invitation out. He threw it out and he said, come. This big reception. And he wants them to come be a part. It's interesting because the, the scripture says, it says there's a large company of tax collectors and others. And that 
if you got New King James or King James, it says tax collectors and sinners. There's a reason for that, because the word others is alos, which means others of the same kind. So basically, that's what it means. Tax collectors and other sinners. You know, so tax collectors who are at whatever level, you know, they're sinners here. So everybody around that level of sinners, man, they're coming. That's right, they got their own class. Hey, nobody else wants to have a class for us, we got our own class. We're, we're the class of the broken, the class of the sinner, the class of those who need Christ. Which, by the way, ought to include all the classes, shouldn't it? Every one of them should be a part of it. Every one of them should be a part of that class because we're all sick. But we don't all want to admit it, do we? We don't want to say, I need a doctor. But for how long can you ignore your illness before your illness is eventually going to take you? At some point, if you don't go see the doctor, what the, the sickness we have kills us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That disease is going to kill us. Jesus he came to bring the cure. And it's interesting if we can really grasp what it says. Now what this shows me about Levi is what J.C. Riley says. He said, a converted man will not wish to go to heaven alone. So Levi is inviting everybody he can think of. Everybody he can think of that would benefit from having, you know, lunch with Jesus. Sitting around a pool with him. Who knows what could happen? I mean, Jesus is there. Anything can go. Anything can happen, right? Any kind of teaching can break out. Any kind of healing, who knows? Invite them. Bring them. Come see Jesus. Come see Jesus. And so, you have this huge, huge gathering. And in that huge gathering, you have a couple different kinds of people. Scripture says in verse 30, <clears throat> the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples and said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, before you get too bent out of shape about those guys, what they're trying to do is follow what was called the, the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law said this, that in order to be in the presence of God, someone had to be pure. So in order to be pure, there were certain things you needed to be careful about. God wanted people to understand that sin infects us all. And so there was this idea, don't miss this idea, there's this idea that if I touched a sinner, their sin corrupted me. The sin that, that they had corrupted me it, it passed from them to me and that was something that god showed them with the concept of ritual or ceremonial law the the cleansing rules right don't touch anything dead okay don't it, it was all about life <clears throat> now here's why it's all about life guys because there's two paths you can walk that's what the proverbs teach us right one of life one of death one of blessing one of cursing so the lord said in deuteronomy choose life you don't got to go that way. Why should you die? That's what God says. Why should you die? Choose life. Walk in life. And so he gives these simple little illustrations to teach them, yeah, death is bad. We don't have a hard time with that one, do we? 
So how about sin is bad? Shouldn't have a hard time with that one. Nope, sin is bad. What's it do? It kills. If I stay on that road of sin, where does it lead me? Destruction, death, dying. So what do I, I need to stay away from that. So how he taught that, how the Lord taught that to his people, was through the ceremonial law. So the idea was, and the idea that the Pharisees had is, we got to separate. we got to keep ourselves separated from sinners. Because if we touch them, we'll be infected. Now what they couldn't understand anymore is they themselves were infected. They thought that through the ceremonial law, they were purging their own sin. But you couldn't purge your own sin. It, it took something to do that. Even in the Old Testament, what did it take for them to purge their own sin? sacrifice right something had to die something had to die to purge my sin now because i followed the ceremonial law i was able to come into the presence of god and offer my sin sacrifice because i was saying to god i recognize sin is bad i recognize death is bad i recognize that i want to stay away from these things i want to be infected by these things but then i should also recognize i have my sin and so there needed to be something to purge me of my sin this was uh, the lesson of the ceremonial law now what jesus came and did was turn that whole concept the traditions that they developed out of it the, he turned it on its ear how did he turn it on its ear? He turned it on its ear last week when he reached out and touched a leper. Because something happened when he touched the leper. He didn't become a leper. What happened? The leper got clean. Well, wait a minute. How did that happen? How is it that Jesus touched sin or a sinner or a, a leprous man and rather than the leprosy or sin infecting him, the holiness of God infected the leper. How is it that the man brought to him paralyzed, who, who Jesus said, son, your, your sins are forgiven you. You guys remember, right? You're, you're, how, no one can forgive sins but God. So Jesus said, well, just so you know that I have authority to forgive sins, let me say this, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? But look, if you don't have the, the juice, if you don't have the power to make them rise up and walk, then it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, because I don't know if that really happened. Right? But when you say rise up and walk, if the guy just lays there, then we got a problem. Yeah? Jesus says rise up and walk, what happens? Boom, he gets up and he walks. What is he he's saying? Look, I have the ability to cleanse that which is unclean. That was mind-altering to the Pharisee who lived his whole life trying to remain ceremonial, ceremonially pure. It wasn't a bad thing. He was trying to honor God. But the problem was he began to believe his own press. You guys ever known people like that? You start to look around and realize, you know, I do more than that guy does, so I'm holier. Oh, Sorry. That wasn't the lesson that was being taught. The lesson that was being taught was sin defiles. It kills. We want to stay away from sin. We want to stay away from sin and we want to draw near to a pure God who can cleanse me. And now all of a sudden you have Jesus right there in their midst. And that's what he's doing. He's touching people and instead of becoming like them, they become like him. It's amazing to see this incredible work that is being done. The incredible work that is being accomplished 
through the ministry of Jesus. And so the Pharisees are confused. Thought we're supposed to stay separated. And so in order to stay separated, I just judged all those people as unworthy of my presence. But that, that wasn't the lesson. The lesson was sin's bad. Still bad. Still bad at the time of Christ. Sin still kills, still destroys. But what the Pharisees didn't understand, <laughs> they stopped short at assessment. Sinner, bad, stay away. Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus' concern moved all the way to treatment. Sinner needs a doctor. Sinner needs salvation. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. And when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, what does he say? Woe is me! Oh my gosh, why? I'm unclean. And I live amongst the people who are unclean. What am I going to do? And the Lord has a, a seraphim go and take a coal from the altar. And they go over and they touch his lips. And what happens? When he touches his lips to the coal, his uncleanness is removed. And his... The holiness of God purges. Your sins are purged, he said. They're purged. And then he says, who will go for me? Who will, who will go? Who, who will go for us and tell the people? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. To do what? To tell the people what I learned. While sin defiles us, God is the cure. God can make us clean. But the Lord said, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to hear your words, but they're not going to listen. They're going to see what you do, but they're not going to perceive. They're not going to turn to me so that I could heal them. That's what the Lord decreed. They won't hear. But the word goes. They won't see, but the illustrations are given. And so here Jesus in the midst of this party, you have these Pharisees saying, why is it that you eat and drink with the sinners? Don't you know if you touch them, their sin's going to get on you? Their sin's going to get on you, and, and then there's going to be a problem. <laughs> they saw sinners as needing to be spurned, and because of their contamination, quarantined. But Jesus saw sinners as the sick needing to be helped. Now ask yourself, do you see sinners like the Pharisees? Or do you see them like Jesus? And try to be honest with your own perception of them. Because Jesus taught salvation occurs... Through association. In fact, in, in uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5. You remember there's a man <coughs> who was guilty of, of a, 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 at best, a weird relationship with his mom. At worst, an incestual relationship with his mom. Um, and he was in the church, and the church was very proud of their ability to forgive him. 
while he continued in his sin. And Paul said, that's not okay, man. You need to put that guy out. In, in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, it says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Verse 10, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world. What's Paul saying? He's going to declare what he's talking about. He says, I am now writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not to even eat with such a one. Who is Paul saying to make a division with? He says, make a division with a brother, a person who says they're a believer, who still lives in this style. He says, I'm not telling you to separate from the world. Otherwise, you'd have to get out of the world. Because everywhere in the world, you're going to have these problems. But if a man says, I'm a brother, and he's living an immoral life, then the Lord says, you need to tell that guy, yeah, we can't hang out, because what you're doing is not okay. You're with your mouth proclaiming, I'm walking the path of life, but with your legs, you're walking the road of death. And so the loving thing is to say to a brother, hey, that's not okay. I've had too many <coughs> meetings in my office where I sit down, open up 1 Corinthians 5, and we read it together. And I read it, and the first thing I ask them, are you a brother? Yes. Are you living in sexual immorality? Yes. What does the Bible tell me to do about that? Don't be mad at me. I'm, we're just looking at the word, right? What's the word say? Now, does the word say that God says, I expect that out there. The word, that's how the word, they don't know me. They don't know me. They, they have not said I'm walking the path of life. Look, we got to get it in our head. When we declared ourselves for Christ, when I said, look, it's, it's me and you till the wheels fall off, Lord. I, it's, I'm yours. I'm yours. When I declared myself for Christ, I made a decision to walk the path of life. That's the path that Jesus is standing on, isn't it? He's not standing on the path of death. He's standing on the path of life. And what is he saying to us? Come what? Come follow me. Just like he said to Matthew. Come follow me. Come follow me. And, and there have been times in my life and your life where we got distracted by something shiny and we found ourselves walking on the path of death. And then what is it that the Lord is calling us to? Repent, which means what? Turn, change your direction. So I got to stop and repent. Oh, Lord, I got off track. I'm going the wrong way. I'm headed toward death. Death's bad. Sin's bad. I need to change my direction. Change my direction and get back on the path of life. That's how believers are supposed to live their life. We're supposed to help each other, aren't we? Don't we care about it? If you don't care, you know... If you love each other, you're willing to have the hard conversations with each other. If you don't, you don't. But love means, love means you'll have those. I don't like them. I know you don't like them. But it doesn't matter, we'll have them. Because that's what love does. Love will do it. So what do we see from this scripture? The Lord says the division you want to make is between a brother who calls himself a brother and yet is walking the path of death. You, you want to confront that brother. You want to, for what purpose? Not just the purpose of throwing him out. What's the purpose? To repent. Hey, change and get back on the path of life. I'm not, 
If, if you walk out the doors that you chose that, not me, <laughs> I'm choosing for you, repent, turn around. Let's keep going. Let's go this way. But the Lord is saying, for the world, the world, we expect that. What does the Bible say about Jesus? When he went and talked, it says, the common people received him gladly. What does that mean? The common people. The commoners. Do you put yourself in that category? Are you common people? Or are you something else? I, I tend to look at myself as common people. I, I like being thinking I'm common people. That I'm, I'm with the, the norm. What is he talking about when he says common people? He's talking about everyday folks, man. The people who are broken. The people who needed him. It says in Mark twelve thirty seven, David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him. How? Gladly. Oh, man, the common people were like, wow, nobody's ever taught like this. The word of God. Teaching the word of God. But whenever you enter a town, they don't receive you. It says in Luke 10, 10. Go to its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God came near. So that, how did the, how, how do you, how's the message of the kingdom of God go? You can't give it to sinners if you don't go where sinners are, can you? If people are lost somewhere, how does the message get there? The Bible says the message gets there because it, it, people are sent. Go. Go. How does the message get to your, to your family who's not saved? How does the message get to your neighbor who's not saved? How does it happen? It happens because we care enough about them to tell them. We care more about them than we care about ourselves. What do I mean? Because it's uncomfortable when somebody says, Man, will you stop telling me about Jesus? <clears throat> what kind of hurts my feelings? It's uncomfortable when you share with somebody and then you go on Facebook and they unfriended you. Man, I've, I've been unfriended. It's uncomfortable. But all of those situations is caring more about me than I care about the person who needs to hear the gospel. If I love them enough, I'll tell them. I'll share. If they shut the door to me, they shut the door to me. Then, then I pray God shows them somebody else. Right? How do I know it's not me if I just sit around and say it can't be me? I'll know it's not me because they tell me, stop talking to me. Don't call me no more. I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. Okay, then somebody else is going to have to tell you. And then I, I love you enough to pray for you. To pray that God shows you we have to go where they are. Here's what Paul said, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am foremost, or of whom I am chief. Paul didn't have a hard time seeing himself as a sinner, right? So when Jesus says, hey, it's the sick that need a physician, man, Paul didn't have a hard time. I'm sick. Guess what he was? Pharisee. Oh my, you're kidding me. Nope. He says he was, not only was he a Pharisee, he was like, top. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was chief Pharisee. I was a top. I was a dude everybody looked at when they said, who's a really good Pharisee? Paul, that guy. Look at that Pharisee. What did he recognize? I'm a sinner. And he found his physician. How did he find his physician? Oh, Jesus came to him, didn't he? He went where the sinner was. 
This is what Jesus is laying out for us. Hopefully we can grasp it. Look what Jesus answered. Verse 31. Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous. Now, there's a little play on words. What's the play? There are none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> yeah, that's Old Testament, by the way. So, so before we think, well, Paul hadn't wrote that yet. No, Paul quoted that from the Old Testament. The, that's Old Testament ideals. There's none righteous. We're all sinners. We're all, this is not new concepts, guys. But the idea that's new is now, now there is a way coming, there is a way coming in which the sinner can be cleansed. The leper can be cleansed. The broken can be healed. That's what Jesus is proclaiming. That's why he's saying the kingdom of God is near. It's near. Three years away. Because in order for that to occur, apart from Christ doing it, Jesus has to go to the cross, doesn't he? He's got to die, be buried, rise on the third day. Roughly 40 days, 50 days after the, the crucifixion, we have the, the day of Pentecost. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? All of a sudden, Peter preaches a message and the sinner is purged. Those who believe find their sins washed away. What Jesus came preaching, heralding, saying... Good news, gospel, it's coming. The kingdom of God is near. It's right here in your midst. Because the kingdom of God is Jesus. And if you're in Christ, guess what? You're in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is near. It's, it's right there with Him. Jesus is coming to usher it in. And so He says, I didn't come to call the righteous. Because the righteous won't come. But there are none righteous. No, not one. There's not one good. No, not one. There's not one person who doesn't need Jesus Christ for salvation. Not one. Not one. Jesus is saying, I've come for the sick, but the sick need to understand. They need to recognize. In Matthew chapter 9, <coughs> verse 12 and 13, we have this uh, that, that Levi himself writes. Look, it says, But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Yeah, God can't call the righteous, because the righteous won't come. The righteous are pretty sure they got it all worked out. They're good enough. I got this all solved. But the sinner, a sinner does what the leper did. You remember last week what the leper do? Run up to Jesus, falls on his knees. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What's Paul do when Jesus comes to him in the middle of the Damascus road? He falls down on his face, and in essence, he's saying the same thing. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. What do you want me to do, Lord? What does that mean? I'm yours. I'm yours. You are able. You are able to do all that needs to be done. We have to be able to have eyes like Christ that is able to see sinners as needy and able to be helped. 
needy and able to be helped. The same way God made me clean, He can make them clean. I have to remind myself of that when somebody strung out on meth comes into church and they think what they need most is some money or the, to solve all their problems, but what they need most is to be cleansed by the master physician, the one who can make them clean. And I'll be honest, I actually get weary. Because I can count on maybe three fingers how many times it's worked out. But they don't stop coming. They don't stop knocking. One day, maybe it'll click. But i got to stop seeing them as, oh, not again. And start seeing them as someone that Jesus can cleanse. Someone that Jesus can touch. Someone that Jesus can make their life different. Listen to what Jesus says about the Pharisees in Luke 16. It says, He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Yeah, what does the Bible say? Our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Well, we like to say it that way because, because that's easier than saying what it actually says, huh? Because when the translator, how many of you guys know that happens multiple times in the Bible? That the translators, the, the, the original language says something that we don't approve of saying out loud. Or certainly not in church. You can't use that kind of language in church. Do you know there's that kind of language in the Bible? Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to start using it because I can't. So I'll still use the, the generic terms. But you guys need to understand, this is not some small deal. He's saying, oh yeah, dirty, like dirty rags in a garage. That's not what he's talking about. Yeah, you ought to know. If you don't, come see me later, I'll tell you. <laughs> so he's saying, look, this is filthy. This is filthy. That's your best. That's what Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to see. Now, do they ever see it? Yes. How do I know? Because there are some of their number from the Sanhedrin are going to be there when Jesus is buried. Isn't there Joseph of Arimathea? Where did he come from? What about Nick at night? Nicodemus? Remember Nicodemus came at night? What about him? Doesn't he? Isn't that an example? When we look at these guys, you see Jesus is he's setting the table out for them. Now they're not going to hear it from Jesus, but maybe they will from Peter. Or the next generation. But prayerfully, all of those disciples will see sinners as someone that God is able to cleanse. Then they ask him another question. They said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And yet, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. So, so what's going on? If Jesus is calling sinners to repentance, he's calling sinners to be cleansed then why are they partying? Shouldn't they be more stoic? Look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> Sour look on their face. That's the question. How come John, John had a ministry of repentance? Yes, didn't he? And John's disciples, they, they, they fasted and prayed. And the, and the disciples of the Pharisees, they have a message of repentance, leave sin, stay away from it. And their guys, they fast and pray twice a week. 
But you guys are just partying it up, man. You guys are just having a good old time, laughing and having fun. We don't understand that. How can that be? So Jesus is going to give them an answer. (laughs) Why do they rejoice rather than mourn? So Jesus said, can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Who in their right mind chooses a fast during a wedding? No, you're not going to do that. Why? Well, it's a celebration. This is a celebration. My, my kids are getting married. When my, my oldest son, JC, married Amber, they got married. We had an incredible celebration. They danced forever. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Tons of people. Nobody was going, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to sit over here in the corner and do my best to have my holy face on. And I'm going to, and I'm going to do these certain things, right? I'm going to do these, and I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to celebrate. That's what Jesus is saying. Nobody does that at a wedding. At a wedding, they celebrate because it's time to celebrate. What is it that God says happens in heaven when one sinner turns? Doesn't he say it's celebration? We get it messed up in our head because the word of God says that God does not glory in the destruction of the wicked, but that the wicked would repent and live. Does that mean all the wicked are good? No. What do they have to do? Repent. They got to repent to live. They got to repent and believe. That's what the scripture declares to us. So God says, I don't, I don't have any joy in destroying them. I have joy party when they get saved. What's happening with Levi? He's getting saved, right? He's coming. He's being cleansed by the touch of the master's hand. He's inviting all his friends to see the master. There's a celebration. Jesus is saying, man, we don't, we don't fast now. Did he say we'll never fast? That's not what he said either, is it? He said, but right now it's a wedding feast. Right now it's a party. Right now we're celebrating. But look at verse 35. <coughs> it says the day will come <coughs> when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. That word taken is interesting. It is related to the word harpazo. Anybody know harpazo? It's a word translated, or that we translate as the rapture. It means to be snatched away, taken away. Jesus is talking about crucifixion. He's saying the crucifixion and the burial, that's coming. There'll be another celebration at the resurrection. Yeah? There'll be another celebration at the resurrection, but then there's going to be another taken away, isn't there? Jesus is going to stand on a mountain. Revelation chapter 12 uses the same phraseology of the Son of of God being caught up into heaven to be in the presence of God. Daniel chapter 7 does the same thing. Uh, When one like the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days, it's all talking about the... uh, the ascension as Jesus ascends up to be with his father, the Lord in heaven, says to Jesus, now sit down until I make your enemies your footstool. Your work's done, right? What did Jesus say at the cross? It is almost finished. It's about done. No, he said it is finished, right? It is finished. So when he gets to the father in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel says, sit here. In Psalm 110, we get the rest of the conversation. My Lord says to the Lord, sit here until your enemies are your footstool. God's going to usher in 
that kingdom that Jesus came to, to bring about. And so, at the ascension, now he's taken, now he's gone. Is he here? No. He said, I won't leave you orphans, right? We have the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit with us, guide us, lead us, convict us, direct us, to remind us to walk what? Path of life, not the path of death, right? If we get on the path of death, he says, repent, get, where, get walking where you're supposed to be. And make sure you learn to see sinners the way Jesus saw them. As somebody who can be cleansed, not as somebody who is irredeemable. Somebody for whom God is able to touch. So when Jesus leaves, he said they will fast. We have, every year we do a fast. How many of you guys noticed that the New Year passed and we didn't do it? A couple people. Every year we do a 21 day fast. We talk about it. This year we're doing it 21 days before Easter. So that's, we just moved the date. We're, we're still doing it. It's just an opportunity for us to focus on the Lord, right? It's not an attitude of mourning other, if, uh, over anything other than our own personal sins and seeing, seeking God to, to, to empower us, give us his word as we move forward into the new year. So <clears throat> Easter's April Fool's Day. That just seems wrong. <laughs> no, it's April 1st. I'm pretty sure it's April 1st this year. So 21 days before that, we'll start the fast and we'll end the fast Easter sunrise service. After sunrise service, we'll have breakfast and that'll be the end of the fast. So I encourage you guys to join with us. Jesus said they'll do it after I'm gone. So it's an opportunity for us to seek the Lord. We'll give you more information on that as it comes up. But Jesus here, he's referring to the days are coming. These disciples are going to fast. But right now it's celebration. Right now it's, a, it's something better. Now Jesus brings about the conclusion. So this whole thing we've been talking about, this whole chapter, Luke put it all together like he did. Remember the, the leper, the guy with his sins being forgiven? He's given us these stories to help us see what Luke saw about Jesus, right? So he gives us this conclusion. He told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. The new covenant is not a patch for the old. The new covenant is not plan B. The new covenant is what God was always going to do. The new covenant stands on its own. <clears throat> it will not stand under the constraints of the traditions of men, which is what the old covenant grew into. Remember what I told you about the Old Covenant was there to show them sin's bad, death's bad, walk with God, right? Sacrifice purges us of our sins and we can have a relationship with God. The New Covenant shows us the permanence of it. The permanence that Jesus Christ has once for all been given. He's died once for all. There's no other sacrifice. He's the only one by which men must be saved. So that is been accomplished. That which was illustrated is now perfected in the new, Jesus is saying, this is the new. You don't attach it to the old. Nicodemus is not going to attach the new covenant to the old. It don't work. It's new. It's new. It's, it's, this is the permanence. This is it. This is what everything else has been pointing to. It's not a thing where you join these, <clears throat> you join these things together. 
The new covenant can change a sinner from the inside out. Jesus Christ can cleanse them. Not just look sin bad. Now, look sin bad. Jesus can wash us whiter than snow. Jesus can do this. This is a new thing. The old ritual, don't touch a sinner, they'll contaminate you. The new thing, when Jesus touches you, He cleanses you. Now, His holiness passes in to us. This teaching is new. He goes on, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. New wine is put into fresh wineskins. No one after drinking old wine desires a new, for he says the old is good. Jesus is saying, we put this, we're putting this new covenant into new skins. That's why Jesus didn't come and call Pharisees his disciples. Who did he call his disciples? Broken men, fishermen, tax collectors, a zealot, crazy people who should have never got, been able to get along. He says, these are going to be the new wineskins into which I pour the new wine. If I pour it into the old wineskins, they're going to break. Yeah, I can't do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. This is the way it's going to be done. I'm going to put it into new wineskins, and they're going to be able to pour it out, and it's going to have its effect. And some old wineskins are going to get saved. Isn't that good news? Some old wineskins who are, are not quite ready for what Jesus had to give will become ready through the ministry of the Holy Spirit working and drawing men Unto salvation. The teaching doesn't mix with the traditions of men. It needs a new way. Not the old religious construction of the past, but a new one. A new one where the people that were hated by the old religious system now have the good news that even that sin in the old religious system can be purged. Even that sin in the Pharisee can be cleansed. And so Jesus is choosing the new wineskins to put this message into. But then he gives this little parable at the end. But most often people like the old. Isn't that the way of us? We like the old. We like the old ways. We like the old things. We like, we like all of that stuff. Most people, when they drink wine, they want the older wine, not the new wine. That new wine needs to sit around a while and become old wine. The old wine, that's good enough. That's what that word better means. That's good enough. It's good enough. But the writer of Hebrews would say, that's not good enough, guys. That was just a picture. You're holding on to a picture, trying to love a picture instead of the person. The person that picture represents is Christ. Everything that the Old Testament said, every, every illustration, every drawing, everything pointed to Christ. So when Christ came, you take the picture and you put it down and you have the reality standing in front of you. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But people still want to say the old is better. We, we like that thing that says, oh, you know, I... I, I, I don't smoke or chew or date girls who do, right? Isn't that how that goes? <laughs> we we want we to we go to the, 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 our own traditions, right? Listen, guys, 
please hear me. Our own traditions in church is killing our witness in the world. Our old traditions are killing our witness in the world. Now, you want to stand on the Word of God? Hallelujah, so do I. Let's do that. I don't want to stand on a tradition. I don't want to stand on the commandments of men. I want to stand on the commandments of God. That's where, and, and if we would do that, we, we should be able to have four different churches going to a man's retreat. We should be able to have 50 different churches going to a man's retreat. Why? Because we all love Jesus. We all follow in Him. But what divides us? What causes all of that division? Traditions. That's it. Tradition. Tradition. That's what it is. We let those things get in the way. We keep drinking the old wine. God's Word is calling to us, saying, you know what? Don't do that. Don't say, the old is better. I catch myself doing that to my kids all the time. Don't you? Oh, the old days were so much better. I don't want to rip them off. These days are good too. There's good stuff. There's good things if we'll have eyes to see. There's opportunity if we'll have eyes to see. What I learned from this section of Scripture, guys, and what I hope to be able to relate to you is that, man, God will use things that we think He can't use. God can't use that. doesn't work in my tradition. God can't use that. God can't use that person for crying out loud. You know that guy's been married 16 times and he's done all these rotten things in his life. God can't use him. Who said? God said that he could purge his sin. What happens if your sin is purged? I just want to ask that question. What happens if your sin is purged? If you're cleansed, what happens? The Bible says you become a new creation. Yeah. So that means all the old stuff did what? Washed away. You're made new. That's why God says if a brother's doing this stuff, yeah, we need to have a talk. We need to, we need to deal with that. That's okay. We deal with it, we repent, and we start again. That's how that works. That's how the family of God works. You don't get kicked out. You get loved in. And if we learn to, to love one another the way Christ intended us to, nobody will want to leave. I don't want to lose family. So you guys are my family. Some of my family's here. They're blood. But you guys are my family. This is a place I have come. I'm going to die here. They're going to wheel me out of the house I'm in right now. I ain't never buying another house. I ain't never moving again. Right? This is the die is cast, man. I'm, this is it. I'm here. This is, where we're, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to go. And I'm hoping that you guys all want to do it with us. And see our communities, whether it's here in Twin or Castle Ford or fighter wherever we are from change with the love of christ because we learn to see them like christ sees them amen why don't you stand with me let's pray father god i just thank you for the opportunities that you give us to study your word to come together lord to 
celebrate who you are. God, I pray we can come to know you. I pray we see like you see. I pray we, we understand like you understood, Lord. I pray that we who know you, the word of God, also know the word of God. Lord, I pray that we would pour it in and allow it to accomplish that which it wants to do in our life. God, I pray that we would get our lives in line and say, you know what's what the word says? I'm following Jesus, then this has got to go. This is what happens. I get on the path of life and I walk it and I don't quit. I don't quit. I just want you, Lord. But I also want to have eyes to see the lost. I want to see them for what you can do in their life, for how you can cleanse them, for how you can move, for what you can accomplish. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would just fill us with your spirit, that we want to be that. We want to be that for you. We want to be your eyes. We want to be your hands. We want to be your feet. We want to minister to the lost. We want to minister to our brother who may be wrapped up in a sin and stop overlooking it and just confront him and say, it's not cool, man. You got to let that go and follow Jesus. Because these guys, they let go of it all. Let go of that sin, that garbage, whatever it is holding you back. Let it go. You don't need it. Follow Jesus. God, I pray that you do a perfect work in and through us today as we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You have made a way. Lord Jesus, you are saying to us, I want you with me. Come, follow me. May we be like Levi. Not only follow you, but tell everybody we can find. Jesus is able to make you clean. We give you praise for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.